Okay, praise the Lord. Hey, before, listen, before we get going here, uh, I want to talk about uh, this morning just, uh, you know, Lord, are you sure you want us <clears throat> to be happy? And how can you be happy when, uh, you know, we walk out of this building and had a great time here, but then all of a sudden, oh my goodness. Well, there's, it, you know, in our society, sometimes we just say that's just life, you know, whatever. Well, we got help, praise the Lord. And uh, anyway, starting here, and I'm looking at the Living Bible. This is Psalm 139 here. And uh, we had such a fantastic, uh, uh, you know, revelation here, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, when, you, when you read Psalm 139, look at this. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. So again, uh, a week has passed. And yes, we read Psalm 139, but my goodness, you know, we don't want to forget things, you know. Oh, uh, because... This has got so much to do with uh, whatever it is that's on your mind right now. Notice this. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Now, you've got to quit thinking he's talking about oh, all the terrible things I've done wrong. No, keep reading. You know when I sit down or stand. Now, that's different. That's got nothing to do with policing your life. When far away, you know my every thought. Now, he's not talking about, like some people just drill themselves silly and they just think God must not like me because I've had bad thoughts. You're going to have thoughts come in your mind and come and go. You don't worry about heaven just thinking you are repulsive or whatever. We just make ourselves, we push ourselves so far out. And don't do that. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Does that sound like God cares about you? Well, absolutely. Praise the Lord. Every moment you know where I am. God knows where you are right now. It's just like with Nathaniel in John chapter 1. I say it a million times, but I'm not done. We'll go for two million. When he saw Nathaniel, Nathaniel said, how do you know me? And he said, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. It could have been Philip, whatever. So both of those, Philip found Nathaniel, whatever. I think it was Nathaniel found Philip, whatever. But I saw you when you were under the fig tree. Whoa. How did he know? He knows where you are. He also, as we already know, he knows how many hairs are on our head. But this is Psalm 139. There's only 150 of them. You could find this on your own eventually. Okay? Praise the Lord. All right, so watch this. Here we go again. Every moment you know where I am. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You both precede and follow me. And look at this. And this got to me last week reading this from the Living Bible. And place your hand of blessing on me. You know, he didn't say he will. He said he does. His hand of blessing is on you and I this morning. Praise the Lord. I mean, and again, notice why David goes on to say, this is too glorious, too wonderful to believe. I can never be lost to your spirit. Boy, how I many people want to go theological on that? And they go, oh my gosh, you know. I don't, we got, we have denominations that think if you do something wrong, you lost the spirit, you know, whatever. If you go read the Bible, you would understand. Don't ever worry about losing the spirit. The only thing you need to be concerned about is if you decide one day that Jesus is not the answer. Jesus is not your savior. But don't worry about anything else because he is, he always will. I can never get away from my God. Now this is so important that you realize that that is exactly what the world is looking for, a God. And that's why David said it that way. But sometimes it goes right over our head and we think, well, I have a God and he's the highest God. There is no God but him, but he can do nothing. David put it this way on purpose 
to show, not only himself, but for those who would listen, whatever, that God is his God. I don't, I mean, David was faced with being annihilated. His nation was going to go completely under, but his God got him out. And your God will get you out too. I'll describe that a little easier. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, Mary saw him. He said, Mary, and remember he said, handle me not, you know, because I have not yet ascended unto my God, excuse me, unto my Father and your Father and your God and my God. He made a distinction between Father and God. Another great scripture along those lines is Ephesians chapter, chapter 2. It says that we were without hope and without God in the world. We are hopeless down here. Now, we're not talking about going to heaven. We're just hopeless in this life if we don't have God. You got to have some help somehow. That's the reason we tell everybody, well, have you got a job? Oh, we got to get you a job. Why? Why do you need a job? We need money. You need God. You know, and it's the same thing. God is not just a, you know, a pat on the back, a little bit of help. He will get the job situation fixed. He will get the healing problem solved. Whatever it is, he'll fix it. He says, if I go up to heaven, Psalm 139, you're there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride in the morning winds to the farthest oceans, even there your hand, notice it, didn't say will scold me, will slap me, or whatever. It said will guide me. Wow. Your strength will support me. If I try to hide in the darkness, the night becomes light around me. Wow. I mean, it just gets better and better here. It's almost over, this song. For even the darkness cannot hide from God. You are the night that shines as bright as day. And to you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. Now, how does that impact me? Well, the reason he said it is because God is so much involved in his life. In other words, so when darkness is coming around you, whether it's physical darkness or any kind of difficulty whatsoever, or just the dark part of this world, you know, the bad things coming on, it's not going to matter. Verse 13, you make all the delicate inner parts of my body. Now, this is interesting. Because sometimes we just get to thinking that God wants my body to be broke, you know. Or as we get older, and I can classify myself as older now. I told somebody the other day, I used to always say, well, this older gentleman, it's older. I'm like, I'm the older gentleman now, you know. But I've not lost my marbles here. I know what's going on here. The Lord is the strength of our lives no matter what. David would write and he said, he renews my youth like the eagle. And we know that we're getting older, but that doesn't make any difference. And these sports fellows over here training and all these things, they know right well too at a young age. You've got the supernatural to take care of you, no matter what. You know, I know these two fellows. I mean, you get a guy show up to them and missing a whole limb. They're not going to say, you can't do all things through Christ. They're going to say, well, you should be able to run as fast as I can, you know, because of the miracles of God. But you can draw the line and say, well, verse 13, you know, is not true. Oh, it is true. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It's amazing to think about. And now remember, this is long after he's been born. So it's not like, well, I had my chance during those nine months and I guess it's over with now. Are you kidding? It's amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous. He's talking about his physical body. Okay. Uh, I was formed, uh, excuse me. You were there while I was being formed in utter seclusion. You were there again. Why should I sit here and walk out of this room today thinking that, well, God don't even care about me. That's because we're not looking at what he says. Okay. But we wouldn't do that. 
You saw me when I was born and scheduled. Are you ready? Because today we got a day, don't we? We're on schedule. God's got appointments for you all day long. It's not whatever happens. Mm -mm. He has your day scheduled. He hasn't got you scheduled for car wrecks. If we face a danger like that, you're scheduled to live. I'll tell you that. Other kind of traps that are out there, you're scheduled to get out. That's what you're scheduled for. This is fantastic. He scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day. Look at this. I mean, can you imagine this? This is 2014. It's not like unheard of to God. We're already scheduled in the book. Every day was recorded in your book. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that what? You are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. I believe the King James says right here, is, it talks about the sands of the sea. That's how many. That's a lot of sand, you know, a lot of thoughts. And when I awake in the morning, hmm, nobody's thinking about me. Nah, you're not thinking about what God said. It's different. And then he caps it all off right here at the end. He says, surely you will slay the wicked, Lord. Away, bloodthirsty men, be gone. They blaspheme your name and stand in arrogance against you. See how silly they can be. Or, oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I be grieved with them? Yes, I hate them, for your enemies are my enemies too. These are the other nations and other difficulties, even close friends that lifted up their heel against David. My own familiar friend that I sat with at my table, David wrote in another psalm. Then verse 23, oh God, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Some people want to make Verse 24, the theme of the whole psalm. And as you can see, that's not true. We all have mercy. Life is not about being beat down by God. How beat down we can be and how much failure we have. We all have failure. My goodness. But can you see in all of Psalm 139 that there is reason for every one of us to be happy, reason for every one of us to like, praise God, I'm going to be fine. Look at that. This is too glorious, too wonderful to believe. Now, let's go over here to uh, go to King James here just a moment, and let's go down here to uh, <clears throat> we'll go right here to uh, James. We'll go to James, and we'll look at chapter one here. And James, James, remember, was actually the Lord's physical brother. He was in the household. His mother and dad were uh, Mary and Joseph. But anyway, so he grew up with Jesus. He could have been the second brother or third. He could have been the little brother. But nonetheless, he must have learned something. Look at verse 2. My brethren, look at this. Count it all joy when you fall into divers. That means all kinds, various, doesn't matter what breed. Okay, temptations. Or you could say tests or trials or difficulties or whatever. See, man, I just, I don't know how you do that. Well, wait a minute. In light of knowing every one of your days are scheduled, Knowing that God's going to get you out of trouble. Knowing all the wonderful things that God, and he never leaves you. We can find that in Psalm 139. It just says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you in its own way. Because he was there. He was there when you were born. He was there before you were born. He's scheduled every day. You know, He's always thinking about you. When you wake up in the morning, he's thinking about you. Well, and he is my God. Well, then no wonder. And let's keep reading here. We'll see this. Knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. Patience means endurance here. He's not talking about, you know, well, just put up with it. 
No, because what did he tell us to do here? There's something he said do. What would he say do? Let's go back and see if we can find it. My brethren, can't do nothing about that. That's just who we are. Count it all joy. Oh, count it joy. There's something I need to do. And this is your outgoing faith right here. This is what you have to do. Count it joy. You know, well, why? Uh, Richard, I think things go wrong for me. I... See, again, you got to realize, wait a minute. Yes, there's bad things going on, but because you have said, Lord, get me out. Mark eleven twenty four says, believe you receive when you pray, and you just ask God to get you out. It's very evident when you look in the mirror that you don't believe He's going to get you out if you're not happy after you pray. But if you're like, you know what? Jesus said all I had to do was ask, and everyone that I ask receives, I'm going to be all right. Well, then now you got it. Now put a little endurance here. Or patience, in other words, which is just counting it joy. And he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Knowing this, excuse me. But let patience have her perfect work. In other words, you're counting it joy. Let patience have her perfect work. What? That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. He didn't say, well, just put up with it. And as you get your brains beat out in this trouble, thank God you'll still come out the other side. That's not what he said. He said, You'll be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. And then isn't it a coincidence, it's not, that the very next verse talks about asking and receiving? If any of you lack wisdom, or lack anything, works the same. Let him ask of God, notice this, that gives to all men liberally. Notice, he just pours it out. And he says, oh, but let him ask and, excuse me, and upbraideth not. That means he's not going to say, well, I'll give it to you, but let me talk about how bad you are. And I want you to straighten your life up before I give this to you. No, he's not going to upbraid you. He's going to get you out of trouble. He says, and it shall be given him. But he says, let him ask what? Verse 6 goes on to say, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers like a, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Do you mean I'm supposed to receive something of the Lord? Yes. Every time you pray. Every time you pray. And he goes on and says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So my faith is important, praise the Lord. Now, let's go to the book of John just a moment. And in John's gospel, let's go to uh, the 15th chapter. And down here at verse, uh, excuse me, 16. Oops, I'm in John 1, no wonder. John, here we go. John 15. <laughs> we have such a sad Jesus. We think he's just so sad, you know. Well, if he's so sad, why do we have this? <clears throat> John chapter 15, I am the branch, you are the vines. Remember that, that story? <clears throat> okay. He goes down in verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. Hmm. Well, I never knew Jesus had any joy. <laughs> we need to be reading the Bible more because he is. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Boy, I've got to just recreate what I think about God. I think God's up there with lightning bolts and whatever. Now, you're thinking Greek mythology now. That's not God. Where'd you get that from? Mm. Well, I heard some preacher. Yeah, I know. I heard him too. What we want to hear is what Jesus says. 
These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might, look at this, remain in you. And that your joy might be full. Wow. He wants me to be happy? Yeah. He really does. Look at the 16th chapter just a moment. Come down here to verse, uh, let's see. Oh, let's start in verse 20 here. Let me switch over here to the the Living Bible. 16 verse 20, here we go. Oh, he kept saying he was going to the Father, you know, and they were wondering, where are you going and what do you mean? So he says, are you asking yourselves what I mean? The world will greatly rejoice. We're going to talk about rejoicing here. But now he says the world's going to rejoice. Why? Because Jesus is going to be killed. Okay. He said, the world will greatly rejoice over what is going to happen to me. They're going to crucify him. You will weep. So we know what this is. This is not spiritual weeping. This is real oh no. But your weeping shall suddenly be turned to what? Wonderful joy when you see me again. Now, a lot of us, we've grown up and we think, well, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Well, it will be. It will will be fantastic. But we're missing something here if we don't realize that down here, we've got something fantastic. And it's not dependent on those around you. It's not dependent on what other people do. It depends on you and your realizing what Jesus is doing for you today. Hey, praise God, I'm going to be okay. I am going to be fine. So he says, but your weeping shall suddenly be turned to wonderful joy when you see me again. It will be the same joy as that of a woman in labor when her child is born. Her anguish, what, gives place, oh, here we go, to rapturous joy and the pain is gone, uh, is forgotten. You have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. If it was just for the moment, yeah, he's resurrected. I remember that. Oh, we were really happy. It's forever. This is a, praise God, this is going on forever. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whatever I'm facing here in 2014, today, not just for the whole year, but today, I'm going to be fine. Notice he goes right into more joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. For you can go directly to the Father and ask Him, and He will give you what you ask for. Because, why? You use my name. Well, that's not hard. In the name of Jesus. Melody and I were watching a hunting show the other day, and it was actually uh, uh, Hank Parker 3D, you know. And they these firemen were taking care of, it was a special event, these firemen were taking care of these children that had been burned, whatever, you know. And uh, so they had a great big event. They had the fire truck out there and they were shooting water up there and all the kids were out there having a good time, whatever, whatever. But then they panned around and they were doing this thing and they had a little, they had a prayer. And I'm telling you what, that guy prayed like I would. And Lord, ask you, bless his food in the name of Jesus. Amen. That on national TV, praise God. There's a reason we pray in, uh, oh, excuse me, oh, whatever you ask, using my name. Praise the Lord. Anyway, you haven't tried this before, and it may be just like today. Something's bugging you, and you haven't even tried it this morning. You need to. Notice what he says. You haven't tried this before, 
But begin now. Ask using my name and you will receive and your cup of joy will overflow. Now, I know we have difficulties because I'm just like you. I got a list. Oh, what am I going to do? 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 I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. Jesus says. I'm going to ask him. He's going to give me some help. And he certainly will. Go back to the book of Hebrews just a moment. Hebrews chapter 4, the very last verse here, verse 16. Start in verse 14 here. But Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest. Now, do we ever bother with a high priest? Now, now we're not Catholic. But if we were, we would recognize the Pope. And then on your way down, all the way to these little various priests or whatever. It would be important to us. We know we have a priest. Well, we have our own high priest. It's Jesus. And he, there's... I'm not even the priest between Jesus and Dustin or Melody. Melody, they go directly to this high priest. Fred does too. Every one of us in this room, my mother, Phil, uh, you know, all of us in here. Bob, we go directly to this high priest. Why? Because he says, but Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest who has gone to heaven itself to what? Help us. We, we just think, it's just all about going to heaven and someday we'll get there and thank God our high priest got us there. But no, he's set things up for us to have him help just like he helped people down here when he was here. He says, therefore, let us never stop trusting him. Well, I always believe in Jesus. That's not what he's talking about. That's reading the book of Psalms are so wonderful. You read through the book of Psalms and you'll think, there's no reference in heaven in any of this. This is just daily trouble. You know, try 1st, 2nd Kings for a chance. What's in there? See what those clowns did. They let their whole nation go to the dogs because they're worshiping the devil, worshiping these other gods, and they go, you know what? This ain't working. God, help! And all of a sudden, it would turn around. Their crops would start growing again. They would, you know, miracles would happen left and right. I mean, whatever the trouble was, you can go read it for yourself. Sure, easy to figure out. He's our great high priest. He's gone into heaven itself to help us. Let us never stop trusting him. And notice this. This high priest understands our weaknesses. Oh, but preachers don't. They'll tell you, don't you dare pray. You don't even, this Christmas, let's make a New Year's resolution. Let's don't ask God for anything. Now that is a, that's out of, that cannot be from God. We got to have him. He knows our weaknesses. Since he had the same temptations we do, though he never gave way to them and sinned. So let us come boldly to the very throne of God. Now hopefully we go any further. So isn't he referencing that though he never sinned, he's referencing that we did. That's right. So he understands. He understands. Notice he didn't say he understands that uh, after when you accepted Jesus, you know, uh, from that point in 1935 or 1950, 1960, 2000, whatever, that was your last chance to be weak. Not anymore now because you're supposed to be, you mean you sinned? You made a mistake? Well, then you're not a Christian. <laughs> what do I need a high priest for if at that moment I'm perfect? I don't even need to bother with the throne room anymore. I'm just, I mean, it's all done deal. I mean, it's, I, no, that's not what's happened. Jesus is still has his blood in there for you and I, for our weaknesses. So he goes on, he says, let us come boldly to the very throne of God. 
I'll tell you that boldly part <clears throat> is where you find that you're <clears throat> expressing that joy or not. But you can. It's like Zacchaeus. Who would ever thought? Jesus says, hey, you up there. Zacchaeus, I don't know who you are. Come down out. I'm going to your house today. Who else did he do that to? Levi, tax collector. He walks by his little place where he gyps the people. says, Levi, come follow me. Levi got up. And remember, he knew his name too. And he's saying, your name and my name. I'm going to your house. And remember the story when they went to Levi's house, the Pharisees come unglued. How come your master is eating with such scum? And Jesus, when he knew about it, he says, hey, a physician, you know, is here to help the sick, not those that are well. Anyway, so anyway, this high priest of ours understands our weakness. So we got that part. Okay, so let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there and receive his mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. Boy, I've got times of need. I know you do too, no matter what they are. You can create a time of need in the next few minutes, and guess what? He's going to be there for you. He really will. Oh, let me catch that last part one more time before we switch. <clears throat> okay, so let's come boldly to the very throne of God. Stay there and receive his mercy. Find grace to help in times of need. <clears throat> that's not the only place that's mentioned there in the book of Hebrews. Now, uh, we'll go to the book of Mark just a moment here. And we'll stop right in here. <clears throat> in Mark's gospel, in chapter 1 here, Here's the wonderful story of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Okay, he's just, just going to start giving you some details here. And uh, he talks about John the Baptist. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist, he's in prison. Don't let me make you dizzy here. But anyway, uh, he picks up uh, Simon and Andrew. And then Zebedee's sons, here they go. Follow me, follow me. And notice what happens in 21. Jesus and his companions now arrived in the town of Capernaum. And on Saturday morning, they went into the place of worship. Okay, so they're in a town. They're now going to a church. Okay. The congregation was surprised at his sermon because he spoke as one that had authority and didn't try to prove his points by quoting others. Quite unlike what they were not used to hearing. A man possessed by a demon was present. Now, you know where we're going right here. But I want you to realize that this guy needed help. It's not all about we need to all learn to not sin today. We need to all know that God's eyes are upon us and he questions the heart of all men. Boy, we heard that. I mean, I could almost preach that stuff except for I'm glad I don't know how to do it because it's not right. This guy screamed and he said, why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us demons? Now, this is a good point you want to recognize. The devil knows he's toast. <laughs> he knows he's had it as long as you believe in Jesus. The demons were shocked when Jesus was here. And they thought, is it the end of the world? I th we're a little early, aren't we? <laughs> Have you come to destroy us? They didn't say, well, you can't do nothing about us. Boy, I mean, they knew they were trouble, in trouble. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus currently commanded the demon to say no more. And he came out of the man. And that, excuse me, at that the evil spirit screamed and convulsed the man violently and left him. Amazement gripped the audience uh -huh, and began discussing what had happened. What sort of new religion is this? 
And they, they sit, they asked excitedly, why even the evil spirits obey his orders? Verse 28, news of what he had done spread quickly through that area of Galilee. And that's what's happening in our lives too. You cannot keep your mouth shut at what the things the Lord is doing. It's your greatest thing. It's like somebody saying, you're broke, you ain't got any money. And you know good and well, I got plenty of money. And there's more where this come from. You cannot tell me I'm broke. You cannot tell me I do not have a job. They can't take this away from you. Remember Jesus said, my joy will remain in you. So the very next thing that happened was, then leaving the synagogue, he and his disciples went over to Simon and Andrew's home where they found Simon's mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever. They told Jesus about her right away. Now, why did they bother doing that? They must have known that God not only has fearfully and made us wonderfully made and thinks about us in the morning, and all, they were very much aware that Jesus would fix her. He didn't say, well, I'm not going to bother Jesus because he didn't, he didn't heal that other person. He healed everybody. They told Jesus about her right away. He went to her bedside. And as he took her by the hand, helped her to sit up, and the fever suddenly left her, she got up and prepared a dinner. Now don't tell me I shouldn't mention this in a sermon because it's in our Bible. There is a reason it's here. It's because Jesus is the same. Now look at this. Verse 32, by sunset, in other words, right after dinner, the courtyard was filled with the sick and the demon-possessed. Now guess what? This is also in Acts 28, the last chapter of the book of Acts. Same thing. Everybody that was sick on the island came to Paul and they were healed. Mm. They brought to him for healing. And a huge crowd of people from all over the city of Capernaum gathered outside the door to do what? <laughs> to watch. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to watch God do miracles in your life. And he is, isn't he? And I want to hear about it. That's the reason I love it. They're happening to me. I know they're happening to you. And if I catch wind, they're not happening with you. And if I catch wind that secretly you are complaining and not praying, then, oh my goodness, I got a chance to be able to help somebody. And a huge crowd of people from all over the city were gathered outside the door to watch. So Jesus healed great numbers of sick folk that evening and ordered many demons to come out of their victims. But he refused to allow the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35, again we find out. Uh, he was up a long time before morning. They went looking for him. Notice this, I love this right here. Everyone is asking for you. Everyone. Now, you can read these things on your own, but uh, he said, well, we got to go to Galilee. We got to go. What did he say do? He says, we got to go to other towns as well and give my message. That is why I came. And if you keep looking, I mean, just two verses less. I mean, more. A leper came and knelt in front of him, begged to be healed. First off, why did he beg to be healed? I mean, this is, we're just in the sermon phase of Jesus. Oh, no, we're not. The sermon phase and the healing phase, it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. If you want to, you can make me well. I wonder what his answer is. Jesus moved with pity, touched him and said, I want to be healed. Now, we could scroll down and you know I could just never stop here. It goes all the way to the 16th chapter where the 16th chapter caps it off. Jesus said, <clears throat> these signs will follow everybody that believes. You can lay hands on the sick. And they'll recover. I mean, it's just unending. 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 
Father, we thank you for your word. We just thank you by your stripes we're healed. Those that may not be here today or even any of us that might be not feeling good or something going on that we do not need going on in our bodies, you are our high priest and you will fix that. And I just thank you for it, making us all well. Lord, same thing's true financially. You've got every one of our days scheduled and you know what's ahead, maybe some financial trouble, but we're not worried because you pay everything all the way from taxes to everything else. You pay it off. Thank you, Lord. And if we're faced with something that has nothing to do with healing, has nothing to do with finances, but it's other troubles we might face, Lord, you get us out of all those, and we just thank you for it. And that doesn't leave anything left, but for just like you told the the demon-possessed man from Gadara, you said, go tell others what great things the Lord has done for you. That's what we're going to do. It's easy. Oh, that's so easy. Jesus, we just thank you again for all that you've done for us and what you're doing. Thank you. Never leave us nor forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Okay.